water in his veins. I couldn't think of a better place to end the street than Death Valley, South Carolina, baby. Guys going down, guys stepping up. That's what football is all about. And they say we can't do it. What they say now? Welcome back to the Clemson Podcast. Cody is a Nickelback fan. Clemson is 7-3, and three, and life is good. Welcome back, everyone, to the Clemson Podcast. I'm your host, Nick, joined tonight by Ben. This is our UConn recap show, and look ahead to the Wake Forest matchup this weekend. Ben, Clemson escapes Death Valley with a 44-7 victory. I say escapes because did not start out pretty, got the job done, kind of an ugly game, you know, in between the, the opening whistle and the, and the last gun. Uh, just by way of injuries continuing to happen and rear their head. I'm almost at the point where I just want this season to kind of wrap up just so no more Clemson guys get hurt. You know, some things aren't worth dwelling on in life. And I think this UConn game was one of them. Um, when Will Sweeney scores your first offensive touchdown of the game, you know that something's wrong. <laughs> Technically a special teams TD, but yeah, I know what you mean. Well, yeah, special teams, whatever. It was on an offensive drive. Um, yeah. Yeah. So it almost is worse in the fact that we didn't get in and then we needed a fake field goal. Yeah. I mean, just from the beginning, the, the, the kick return for a, a touchdown by UConn on the opening kickoff of the game, um, the in- inability to poke it in and have to rely on the elusiveness of Will Sweeney. Um, down there at the goal line for a touchdown. Um, There's just, you know, crumple this one up and throw it away. Um, I know people are probably concerned that they saw a lot of regression on this offense, but I kind of take this game with a grain of salt. Um, Coming off our biggest win of the year against Louisville, having to come back to get the win, the the two previous games before that. Um, This is kind of our 2021 version of a letdown game. I would say um, that being said, DJ, DJ did not look good. Um, could not hit receivers all day long. Um, and then the injuries. Yeah, man, you said it. Uh, it's just ridiculous this year. You know, I went down in the list comparing kind of our, our depth charts uh, after the Georgia game to, to this week and going into the two deep. And there's just so many guys between the transfer portal and the injury bug that are out for this team. It's, it's actually quite amazing that we're seven and three, given the, the level of play, the struggles of the offense we've seen this year, and then all the injuries. So, but here we are seven and three bowl eligible. We could still possibly get 10, maybe even 11 wins this season. Obviously to, to do that, we'd have to make an ACC championship game appearance and ultimately win it. And a lot of things have to go right for that to happen. Um, but it's still possible. Um, but I think if you're the Clemson football team, and I'm sure Dabo is of this mindset, is that you focus on the next game, and the next game is Wake Forest, um, and you try to win that one. And as ugly as, as it's looked this year, and looking at Wake's record being 9-1, and one, it seems almost impossible, especially with how much they score, but they're beatable, man. We can beat Wake Forest. Um, they are not – they are ranked 10, 10th in the country right now, but they're not a top-10 team. Yeah, it's almost like their resume <clears throat> by beating, at the time, number 16 NC State, vaulted them from 12th to 10th. 
I think I agree about them not necessarily being a top 10 team. They're definitely not a complete team. Uh, and we'll get into Wake here coming up. Uh, but I agree, Ben. It's almost like despite all of the attrition going on on this football team, you do look at that record of seven and three and some of the gritty wins that Clemson has had of late against, you know, kind of a rising middle class of ACC opponents. There's not really a marquee win across the board. I know there's been a lot of, uh, you know, kind of hemming and hawing among Clemson fans and even some of the media about Clemson not being ranked, not getting a single AP top 25 vote from what, like 50 plus writers a um, little bit of disrespect there. Dabo talked about it being more disrespectful of our opponents, but um, I don't know. Like what's the, what is the best win on this schedule? Probably Louisville. Um, good to beat teams like Florida state and Georgia tech the way that we did, you know, in um, dramatic fashion, but uh, they're not necessarily stellar football teams. So and Louisville is 500. So I, you know, wake would definitely be a signature win for this Clemson team. Cannot believe we're saying that, uh, but it is kind of where we are. Uh, but I, I want to take a moment just to really acknowledge and applaud the players and the coaching staff. This team has not given up on the season. You know, lesser teams, lesser staffs would give into that, you know, would give into the frustration and give into the struggle that they've had to deal with and potentially drop a game, not to a UConn, but definitely to someone like Louisville with what what the team faced down or a Florida State, that kind of thing. So um, really proud to be a fan of this team and of this program at this point. And you come out of this weekend with a win. I do think Clemson would move cleanly into that top 25. Uh, be pretty ridiculous if they were denied that after a Wake Forest win, a top 10 uh, CFP team ranking. Um, and Clemson's favorite in this one, Ben. It looks like the Lions moved up to four and a half for the Tigers. I know it's a home game. Um, but yeah, that, you know, it seems to continue to move in Clemson's favor. So there is something to be said for that. Uh, I'm just, you know, trying to be kind of thankful for what the team has shown. It's been a challenging season as a fan, um, just because not only the injuries, but what has sort of led to depth issues on this team continuing to show themselves isn't just injuries. I think it's, as we've talked about before, kind of who is on the team, how many guys are there, capable bodies, that kind of thing. Um, but yeah, there's still plenty to play for. Yeah. It, so in regards to not being ranked, like, I don't, I don't care. Now, if you look at our three losses, they're all to ranked teams, you know, the number one team in the country, the number 18 team in the country and the number 20 team in the country. So as far as the losses go, that's not bad at all, but you look at the way that we've, we've struggled against worst teams in our wins. And I think that's a big part of it. And probably just because of Clemson's stature, um, more writers are paying attention more closely in those, in those wins and not just looking at box scores. Um, so I think that has something to do with it, but I would agree with you. I, I think it's a no brainer that if Clemson beats wake this weekend, that they jump into the top 25, um, possibly in the top 20, um, depending on what else goes on. It would be eight and three at that point. Um, a win against a top 10, not top 10 team. <laughs> Yeah. Yeah. That number matters though, next to the name. Yeah. So, I mean, the goal, the goal right now for this season, and it has been for a while is to, is to end ranked and get a decent bowl game and win it. Well, and then obviously beat South Carolina, but the fact that the ACC title game is, is still on the table and beating Wake Forest is, you know, a big part of what we need to do to, to make it there. Um, yeah. I'm sure Dabo's 
talking that up in, in the locker room and in practice. And these kids, I mean, if they end up with an ACC championship game appearance and ACC um, get a rematch against Pittsburgh and ultimately maybe even win that game and get an ACC title after this season, that would be absolutely incredible. And, you know, you tell those kids that that's still something that's something to play for, right? That's huge. Now as a fan, uh, do you think that's going to happen? Probably not. NC state uh, has to what lose one more. And then we have to beat wake this weekend. So. And wake um, has to lose to BC as well. Um, yeah. Yeah. Cause they beat NC state. So uh, they need to take two L's in the ACC. Their one loss is out of conference. North Carolina game doesn't count as we've mentioned yep. several times. That's right. Um, so it's, it's pretty much impossible at this point. Um, so if you're Dabo, just keep the kids focused on winning the next game. The biggest win of your season at this point is the next win uh, that you get. Um, and let's roll out there with the, uh, you know, 50 scholarship players that we have left um, and uh, see what happens. Yeah. And, you know, maybe we can take this moment to look ahead to wake forest and break down the matchup a little bit. Um, I think signs of hope for Clemson fans, you know, reasons for optimism in this beyond what Vegas says and what the betting public have said, uh, cause they've been wrong before I believe is look at wake's most recent run. I think in the last six games, they've had five matchups where they've allowed into the mid thirties and in many of those games, much higher than that. You can score on this defense. And more than that, I think you can control the line of scrimmage against this defense and you can move the ball and potentially play keep away from their high-powered offense against this defense. Um, I know we talked a little bit in prior shows, Ben, about what the strategy would, would and should be or should look like against Wake. And it, it does seem like this is a defense that you can, you can kind of have your way with. So that is something to look at. And not only you know, are they, have they allowed those types of opponent outputs uh, they're going to be down really their best or one of their best players for the first half in this game. Ryan Smenda Jr. was ejected for targeting at, in the, the late minutes of that NC State game last week. Uh, so he'll be at, he'll sit for the first half. And uh, all that tells me, Ben, is run the damn ball. You know, any, I think Clemson is something like 70 and one when we run the ball for over 200 yards in any matchup over the last, you know, really ever. Um, or that could be in the Dabo era. Let's run the ball. Let's get over 200 yards. So, well, and then maybe before we move on, let's get into this UConn game a little bit and, and talk about some of the warts that we saw out there. Um, and easier said than done establishing the run against uh, a weak defense that, yeah, is not great, um, but running against them is not going to be that easy. Uh, They're not UConn bad, <laughs> right? Exactly. And in this UConn game, we averaged 3.1 yards a rush. No, granted, Will Shipley. And Kobe Pace did not play. They were held um, just for medical reasons to be safe, right? But Phil Moffat was still in there. 17 carries, only 49 yards, 2.9 average. The offense could get nothing going. The offense only got nothing going in the, in the run blocking game, which is pitiful against UConn. Now, the whole team as a whole, at least on the offense, looked just out of sorts, sluggish, really not there. Um, defense obviously did a great job after that initial uh, kick return for a touchdown. UConn did not score the rest of the game and only had 99 total yards of offense, negative 17 rushing. So we don't need to talk too much about the defense. The offense definitely struggled. It was an ugly game. Hopefully it was just a hangover from that Louisville game. Um, and, and I do think, Ben, it, going back to the running game, 
I not I did not break down the film. I didn't see what UConn was trying to do. If they were just keying in on that and saying like, look, you got to be as through the air with an injured DJ. If they did, if that was their game plan, like hats off to them. It worked, but you still lost 44 to seven, but um, I think they were losing either way. I, I was wondering though, Ben, you know, I saw um, Mitchell Mays in there a bit. Like I was wondering if the coaching staff was trying out guys in different positions, um, knowing it was an opponent like UConn, like are they trying to find, some type of new cohesion with some new pieces on that offensive line that didn't quite work out or they're still getting their footing, you know, that kind of led to that lackluster running performance, or is this just more of the same guys maybe having a down day? Well, even if you have those back on, it's still UConn. I mean, hell they, they let, they lost to Holy Cross and let them put up 38 points against them. Um, they lost to middle Tennessee state 44 to 13, very similar score. Right. And again, I know we have back, backups in and guys like, um, you know, Blackman Huckabee Jr. and Hampton Earl in their catching passes from uh, Hunter Helms and Billy Wiles. But still, um, it, it was disappointing to see. And you would hope those backups that finally get a chance to play would have stepped up against a really poor uh, football team in UConn. But again, as I mentioned, I don't want to dwell on this game too much. I hope it's you know, we've seen so much progress uh, throughout from the offense going forward from that Georgia game leading up, you know, through Louisville. And so I'm hoping this past one is an anomaly, hoping that DJ's leg injury had something to do with it. Although I'm kind of, you know, if that was affecting him at all, then I wonder why he even plays. Um, but then, you know, Tyson goes down. So I don't know. That was an ugly game. Uh, didn't, care to read much about it afterwards did not rewatch it but i mean one, one last thing i have to say about that people are still wanting to see tyson pumachon get the start you know have him plugged in there if he was healthy over dj um jesus uh they say i, it's I think because, that, yeah. they say it's because he brings that different dynamic to the game of being able to run the ball blah 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 but yeah but he can't pass he's not a good passer so it's not going to take long before defenses key in on that, that all he can really do is run and then they're going to stop him. So DJ can pass better than Tyson and he can run a little bit. So he didn't run much in this past game because he was hurt and we were playing UConn, but still like it, it doesn't make any sense. People still calling for Tyson to go in there um, ahead of DJ. And also like for the fans booing, uh, you know, a college kid. And from what I've heard, it was primarily the student section. So that makes it, I guess, not quite as bad. Um, but, you know, leave, leave the boosts to the officials, the coaching staff, whatever. Um, yeah, yeah, it's just not a good look from Clemson, especially when you have, you probably have, you might have some recruits there too, or in future games have recruits there. Like keep the boost to yourself. Uh, talk about it under your breath to your friends after the game or during the game or, you know, get on a message board where you're, where you can be anonymous and type whatever you want without fear of any repercussions. But I don't know. That just rubs me the wrong way. I felt the same way. Kind of, kind of weird, kind of gutless. Um, yeah. You know, curse out loud, go for it, but maybe not around kids. I don't know. Whatever. Do your thing. But yeah, Ben, I think that the, what I would say about the quarterback situation Going into this one, I was hopeful that DJ would be able to get out there and three series, three, four series, and then be able to take a breather and have Pumachan come in and run it and or get Hunter Helms in, maybe Billy Wiles a little bit, but really with a comfortable lead. 
and the ability to, for the coaching staff to kind of pick their pick who they want to play at given points of the game. Unfortunately in this one, and UConn jumped out to that early lead. It took three or four series before Clemson was really able to establish that two score lead. At that point, you did see Pumashan get in. He did play a bit. He looked okay. He looked pretty good. And then at one point I didn't really see the play it went down with an injury and we saw DJ back out there. I think it took, it took some time for the broadcast team to relay the news and acknowledge that Pupachan had been injured. Uh, so, it, you know, I think a lot of people at this point of the season, frustrations boiling over at the coaching staff, were just like, what are we doing? Why are we putting DJ at risk? This is a meaningless game against UConn. We got a must win game against wake next week. Like what's going on with this? And turned out Pumachan was hurt. And Will Taylor is out for the year. He's our third string. You know, can't really go to him. And I think the game was still close enough within reach, Ben, that the coaching staff just did not want to go to a Hunter Helms early part of the second quarter, you know, midway through the second quarter, that kind of thing. Eventually he did come in. So did Billy Wiles, as you mentioned. I just, it, it sucks that this is where we, this is where we are right now with the depth chart of this team with injury and, with the number of takes at quarterback that we have either from a walk-on perspective or scholarships where we kind of can't have two guys banged up two, three guys banged up, you know, without really having to go into the, into the walk-on territory. Well, and I mentioned it leading into this game um, that I thought DJ was going to play more than most people expected because he still needed those reps. He still needed to work on some things and progress a lot of things. Um, And then in this game, he showed why, I mean, I, I think even if Tyson was healthy, that, yeah, DJ doesn't throw 44 times in this game, but he might throw into the 30s just because the game, you know, the the, the course of the game itself proved that he still de- needs those reps and he still needs that practice to progress. Um, and it was a regression for him. Um, and again, you hope that's just an anomaly. And this coming up weekend against Wake Forest, you, you see that continued um, uh, progress that we saw you know, in the previous games leading up to that one throughout the season. Yeah, that's fair. Um, and unfortunately, Ben, I think you did see a little bit of regression. I'm going to chalk that up less to a lack of focus and just a natural regression and more to the injury kind of weighing down DJ in terms of mobility and, you know, having confidence to plant his leg and kind of lean into his throws. And you saw that you saw throws sail all around the field, unfortunately, I think he had a couple additional touchdowns that we would have seen go through uh, if he was on the money. Uh, I thought there was a good, good degree of, I, I thought the play calling in this one was actually pretty good, Ben, like fine. I didn't find myself questioning it too often in this game. Um, it's, it's not like we we're out there running a bunch of crazy plays or anything like that, but um, you know, if we're going to kind of take the coaching staff down a little bit when it's warranted, I think we need to give credit a little bit as well. Uh, but it was a sloppy game from an execution standpoint and probably a player preparedness standpoint as well, which you can put on the coaches. So mixed bag. I, I know we want to move on from this one. Um, you know, always good to get a home win and continue the streak, that sort of thing. Uh, but yeah, g- glad to put it in the rear view. Yep. Done with it. Um, hopefully there's, you know, just a much better showing against Wake Forest coming up this weekend. And I'm a little bit hesitant to give the play calling and the coaches in the play calling uh, much props in a game like this against UConn when you could probably just go in there with three plays and win fairly easily. Yeah, I don't know if it, I don't know if it was a matter of 
they should have just kept trying to run the ball and find new ways, you know, call different, different, you know, different uh, blocking schemes, that kind of thing to try to spring those guys loose. But um, yeah. Anyway, um, that was UConn. Let's move it on to Wake. So Ben into Death Valley this weekend come the Wake Forest Demon Deacons, nine and one, ranked tenth in the country. High powered offense, a little bit of a suspect defense, uh, but a team that is coming off their biggest win of the season over over number sixteen NC State by a score of forty five to forty two. What I was looking for in this game was how could Wake stand up against the top twenty defense? Uh, I think by the FEI ratings or Sagarin ratings, NC State had a, a top. 18 or so deep ranked defense um, Clemson's in the top seven in, in, in that regard, but wake was did manage to put up for 45 points against that relatively tough NC state defense NC state being down a couple of its stars for the season. Um, so wake answered the call, you know, they, they managed to do what they do on offense, bit of a slow start. Um, something that we were talking about in the pregame was how close that game was coming into about the middle eight period of the game, um, how low scoring and how close it was. I don't, I didn't manage to watch too much of the first half of that game caught on when it was a bit more of that second half shootout situation, but a um, little weird. Maybe it was just a case of kind of those two teams feeling each other out in the first half, but um, yeah, wakes potent. Um, obviously we all feel really good about this Clemson defense and Brent Venables to dial up the right scheme to disrupt quarterback, Sam Hartman. Uh, but it's not a team we should take lightly, at least in, not from an offensive perspective. Oh, yeah, of course not. I mean, really not on either side of the ball. But there's a reason why Vegas has us um, as the favorite in the game. On the offensive side of the ball, uh, Wake's kind of, even though they put up some points, Sam Hartman struggled a little bit in, in the last couple day, games. He has uh, uh, under 50% completion percentage in that time. He has five interceptions in those last two starts, that including the the loss to North Carolina and the win against North Carolina state. And it was that North Carolina state game, as you mentioned with four minutes left in the first half, it was 14 to six. Now it ended up being 24 to 20 um, at, at halftime. So a lot of points were scored in those last four minutes of the half, but um, their offense has struggled a little bit and, you know, North Carolina state and North Carolina, if you look at their schedule could be the two best teams that they've played this year. We've got a full year's worth of tape almost on them now. A lot of people didn't have that before. Um, and so they're getting into the meat of their schedule. So I'm glad that we're getting this one towards the end of the year. Uh, that being said, yes, of course, Wake Forest, um, you know, a second in the FBS scoring 44.7 points a game. And Sam Hartman is an over 3,000 yard passer, 30 touchdowns to eight interceptions, which is great. He's averaging 9.1 yards of completion, which is huge. Um, so what that tells me is, you know, if you're the Clemson defense coming into this game, the thing that has been the Achilles heel, this defense is giving up the big plays and that's what wake is good at. So limiting those big plays in this game, um, and then getting some pressure on Sam Hartman, um, because he does tend to hold on to the ball a little bit too long at times. Um, but I think those are two of the big keys for the defense to timing this, this wake offense. And this is going to be the best defense that the wake has seen all year. Um, well, what's left of <laughs> what's left of the, the defense. Of the yeah. Whole. I was normally Ben, we come into this show with like a pretty firm knowledge on 
Clemson's depth chart and sort of an understanding of like, okay, a couple guys are banged up. Here's their prognosis ahead of the game. It's almost too hard to keep track. I'm like, all right, I know Xavier Thomas has been banged up. You mentioned the the need for Clemson to get a pass rush and you know to pick on Sam Hartman's propensity to hang on to the ball a little bit long. Um, there's been just so many guys dinged up on this defense and across the football team that I, I don't know that I don't know that it is possible to kind of keep keep track or keep up. What has been nice though, Ben, is that and maybe talking to the more macro part of the season is despite losing that number of guys, when you compare it to the depth chart that we had going into and coming out of the Georgia game, the defense really has been able to maintain that elite high level of play and guys have slotted in. There's been a lot more guys getting snaps and, you know, very young talent has stepped up to kind of fill, fill holes left by veterans. Um, So it, it does give you confidence. I, I'd have to kind of see who is left from, you know, the defensive line core that's going to be able particularly at the end position. Um, we know Miles Murphy, he seems to be knock on wood healthy um, coming into this game. Obviously he's held quite a bit by opposing offensive lines. So, and you know, if, if Xavier Thomas can't go and we're, we're and obviously um, Justin Foster is out for the season. It, you then kind of move to, younger guys or you get a guy like KJ Henry coming in there. He had a pretty impressive sack in the UConn game um, and has, has had a quietly a pretty good season so far, but that is a big step down from XT, you know, at the, at the end position. Yeah. Well, I expect XT to play in this game. I haven't heard anything to the contrary, um, but the difference, you know, with all the, the injuries we face this year, the difference on the defensive side of the ball is we actually do have functional depth. Um, the young guys backing them up or, you know, have experience playing or they're young guys that, that have a lot of potential and have shown flashes this year. But you're right. It's just kind of the walking wounded guys that are sticking it out. Uh, Tyler Davis has dealt with injuries. Trey Williams now we're hearing is probably should have had surgery like three weeks ago. Um, James Skalski has been beaten up. Um, Andrew Booth taken out uh, the UConn game so he could heal up. So, it's a lot of banged up guys, but man, they've got heart. They keep coming back out there. They keep playing hard and they're going to need to do it in this game. Um, I do think the offense is going to need to help the defense to the, to the, to the fullest extent that they can. But I also think the defense in this game is um, going to need to force some turnovers and give the ball back to the Clemson offense. Um, again, Sam Hartman, five interceptions, the last two games. So um, the defense is going to play obviously a big um, part should Clemson end up winning this game, but I think it's going to have to come from, from both sides of the ball, obviously, just because Wake does have the propensity to, to, to score a lot of points. And um, if our offense is not scoring, then that defense, which even though it has functional depth, um, it's that depth is getting thinner and thinner. And, you know, that means you have less guys to spell your starters and if they're out there in the field all the time, they're just going to get worn down. So you could, if you know, Clemson may be able to keep it close through like the first half into the third quarter, but the offense, if they're not able to be putting up points, then I think you see Wake start to pull away and start to score some points towards the end of the game. Yeah, and that that's basically what happened against Pitt is the attrition sort of caught up to Clemson's defense, weren't able to get stops in the middle part of the field. Team was able to run, Pitt team was able to run the ball, and that was kind of that, um, unfortunately. So... I do think Ben, you talked you talked about kind of both both hands or hand in glove with offensive defense, you know, really being necessary to win this game. 
that is where I'm hoping from an offensive strategic philosophy, um, the coaching staff does look at, yeah, how do we keep Sam Hartman on the sideline? How do we keep um, our team, put our team in the position to have the most efficient drives and probably the most time consuming drives as well in this one. Um, I'm not outright calling for Clemson to just grind it out and play just super slow tempo and a power run game necessarily. Uh, but it is something where they really just like three and outs cannot happen from Clemson's offense this weekend. Exactly. Um, yeah. That was one of my big keys is um, avoid the three and outs uh, to the fullest extent that you can. We're going to have to grind out some drives. Um, you know, Clemson the past several years, the, the key to their success has been hitting on the big plays on offense. And we just haven't been doing that this year. We also haven't been sustaining drives really, but again, we've seen the progression um, game over game, but talk about on the offensive side of the ball. I think that's where really the injuries are starting to pile up the most. I mean, you've got Justin Ross out now for the season. Frank, you know, you talk about the starters that were there at the beginning of the year. Lynn J. Dixon, gone to the Porter. Justin Ross now out. Frank Lots, Frank Latson's out. You're starting tight end at the beginning of the season. Braden Galloway out. Offensive lineman, Matt Bockhorse out. Um, Dietrich Pennington was on the two deep at the beginning of the year. He's out. So on an offensive side of the ball, they did not have a lot of depth to begin with and uh, has had some players that have underwhelmed this year the injuries um make much you know make a much bigger difference on that side of the ball and now we're relying on so much youth uh, you haven't seen consistency from the offensive line like we mentioned they couldn't get anything going on the ground against UConn and against Wake Forest um you know their defensive line and their linebackers uh, that's the strength of their defense it's the secondary that's suspect and is the major weakness um you know they're a bend don't break uh, type of defense and they've, and we've talked about it earlier in the year. Um, I, you know, speculated that maybe we're seeing a lot of these typically like mediocre teams kind of rise in the polls this year um, because maybe some of the, the traditional powerhouses um, just tend to play younger guys, have younger guys in starting positions. And there was just a lot of develop, development loss through COVID. Um, whereas these other teams are playing a bunch of, you know, fifth, fourth, fifth, and sixth year players. And that's the case in Wake Forest, specifically on their defense. You know, three of their four leading tackler, tacklers are super seniors. Um, you've got two defensive linemen, one in Miles Fox, who was a 2020 first team all ACC last year. And then uh, Suleiman Kamara, who has played 55 games in his career up there on the defensive line. So if we couldn't get it going against UConn, no, granted, we'll have Shipley back. Um, we'll have Pace back. Um, but I still tend to think, I mean, yes, try to establish the run on the ground, but if we're not continuing not to get anything up the middle, try to stretch it to the outside or something and just hope that the passing game uh, gets going. You mentioned Smyrna is going to be out. That is huge uh, for Clemson, maybe to hopefully get some momentum early on um, uh, without him in there. Uh, he's the leading tackler on their team. So th there's going to be opportunities for this Clemson offense, but they're going to, they're going to have to execute. Um, if we can establish the run game, it's going to go that much further to, for us to, you know, towards us having success in this game. Um, at the very least, we need to protect the ball um, and avoid drive killing penalties um, and extend drives where possible. You know, even against UConn, we were like, what, five of 22 or something like that on, on third down conversions. It was horrible. Now we were five on six on fourth downs, but the fact that we even got the fourth down and had to go for it to begin with against UConn was uh, not great. So, um, yeah, I mean, they give up. 29 points a game, which is ninth in the ACC, but 
Um, a lot of that is on the weakness of their secondary, and that's been a weakness, you know, for, for Clemson. Well, running and and passing the ball has been a weakness this year. And now you're out your best wide receiver in Justin Ross. So signs of, signs of life, signs of optimism, though, Ben. I think the wide receiver position has been one that you're right. It's been a, it's been a, just a turnstile of guys going down. We had a lot of expectations finally for Ngata and Ladson and then Justin Ross. He played at a, a different position to start the year, move back outside. Turns out he's had, he's been battling a hairline fracture in one of his toes. Um, he's getting surgery on that. You know, we wish, wish him the best recovery. He may be able to play in a bowl game likely will not. Dabo mentioned he's gearing up to go into the NFL draft. So um, we love Jay Ross. It has been a pleasure getting to see him come back, you know, battle back from his previous injury and be able to play this season. Nothing short of a miracle. Uh, definitely going to miss him in the, in the remaining stretch of this season, just with the, the leadership he provides. And he, he's has been as close to, you know, a safety blanket as we've had on this offense and Mr. Reliable for the most part. So, um, with that said, kind of, we will be missing Justin Ross. I think what you've seen from the Collins twins come up, you know, to replace and got to replace or, to, you know, to spell Justin Ross on the outside. I um, mean, Bo Collins, really great progression from those two guys who are, are now sophomores or I'm sorry, they're freshmen. Um, my bad. Uh, that's been encouraging and getting a guy like Jake Brittingstool at the tight end position involved, Davis Allen's been knocked up, knocked up, knocked around a little bit this season too. Uh, it's been, uh, you know, just some signs of life, signs of optimism, green shoots happening on this offense in the, in the past catching core. Um, and then I was encouraged to see Troy Stilato get on the field this last weekend. He's not necessarily an impact guy at this moment, Ben, but you know, seeing Dakari Collins and what Bo's been able to do too, um, you know, definitely is, is optimistic for the future. Well, and I think that's the thing. It's, you know, it's hard to look at some of these bright spots when we're having the season that we're having, but Bo Collins has really come on and turned into a, a super dependable receiver. You see how athletic he is. Um, and my bad, he's, he's, he's been playing the slot. I know been, I mentioned well, well, going they to transitioned him. Yeah, they transitioned him to the slot, um, but he's multiple, right? He can play both, both positions. And then Dakari Collins, even though he didn't have a catch in the Louisville game, um, I mentioned um, – you know, he had that one that was almost a touchdown, but he was out of bounds. Um, I mentioned that he flashed to me. Like, I just seeing him on a couple of plays out there. I like what I saw out of him. And then in this game, the leading receiver against UConn. So um, he's going to get thrown in there. And it's going to be him, uh, Bo Collins, and EJ Williams, because I'm assuming what Joe and got is still out for this game. Um, yeah, I think, I think it's going to be bowl game or bust for him. Potentially South Carolina, but... Probably bowl game. Yes, you're talking about we're starting uh, two true freshmen and a true. It's cool that they're twins Williams. too, Ben. What's it's that? Cool how they're. It's cool how they're twin brothers on this team, showing out. They're twins. They're twins. No, they're not. <laughs> I'm going with their twins, man. <laughs> you heard it here. Bo and Dakari. I mean, I guess they must not be identical. Yeah, I think they're fraternal. Fraternal. Yeah, that would make sense. Anyway, um, yeah. So I do think though, Ben, you know, using twins, the middle of the, the field way, in case nobody got that. The Collins twins. We're rolling with them. That's why um, I'm rolling them. Middle part of the field started to open up in this game finally, and it, it took playing a, a UConn team. Jake Bridingstool has been involved in that a couple weeks in a row. Um, 
let's continue to mine that, especially with Wake Forest down their starting linebacker, you know, in the passing game and being being vulnerable in the back end. That's the kind of thing. Add some new wrinkles to this Clemson offense that opposing DCs have not seen this year. But for me, Ben, I think the Clemson, you know, as Clemson's running game goes in this one, so too will the offense, so too will our fate in this game. My hope is that Clemson can get back to the play calling and to the offensive line play that we saw really in sort of the second half of this season where they started to put things together. You saw as Will Shipley came back, he looked a lot better, but even while he was out, Kobe Pace and Phil Maffa break, break open runs and really keep the chains moving. I think that's going to be necessary here to sustain those drives. And again, I think time of possession is going to be really important. Yeah. And I'm less optimistic that Clemson is, is going to be able to establish much of a run game. That's even with Shipley and, and Kobe Pace being back. And then, you know, with Moffa as your third, your third option there. Um, I think getting the ball to the backs out of the backfield is an extension of the run game. Um, whether it be some, some swing routes out of the backfield, um, uh, yeah, and get get the ball to your best players in space, right? That's that's the key to being successful in offense. And uh, Clemson continues to try to pound the ball up the middle with these guys, and the offensive line is just not doing their job. So I'd like to see it spread out a little bit, um, stretch the field, um, uh, yeah, and get your playmakers out there. But yeah, I think it's going to be a team effort. I don't think we're going to be able to totally rely on these two freshmen and sophomore uh, you're starting wide receiver positions, like get the ball in the hand, hands of your running backs, uh, make good use of Davis Allen and uh, Jake Brinning school, Brinning stool, who has flashed now the last few games, we can see potential in him. Um, and then DJ is going to have to hit the passes. And that's a lot for Clemson to have to need to go right on offense to, to, to score enough to win this game, but who knows, maybe it happens. Right. If I'm yeah. if 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 I'm a typical sports better though, I, I'm taking Wake Forest in this one. Especially if you're getting four and a half points. Um, exactly. Yeah. So uh, and yeah, Ben, I think just to the last point you made, I think it is a lot to, to have to ask to, for the stars to align to, to win this game for Clemson's offense. I think DJ's health is going to be the biggest question mark. Not just health, but his ability to hang in there, make those passes, and really improve his accuracy when his mechanics may be off by having a giant knee brace and potentially question about, you know, how, how much pressure and weight and how much all that he's going to be able to put on that, that strain at uh, PCL on his left knee um, really makes it difficult. So. Um, well, his mechanics were off before the injuries. <laughs> it's still been a work true. in progress. So I, yeah, I think it's just I mean, like it's, more variables thrown at DJ that are preventing him from being consistent. Unfortunately for Clemson to win this game, um, this is going to be the game where it's all going to have to come together and they're going to have to do it with, you know, half their starters on offense or at least at the skill positions missing. Well, and the, this is a moment, Ben, where like normally when we win, we out talent other teams and we are more talented than wake, but this is a moment where I think you need to see DJ like step up as a winner and, um, the, the odds are stacked against him here. Like the injury is, is very legit. The attrition on offense is, is real. Uh, there are, you know, pre-baked excuses here that we can have for why Clemson might lose this game, but I'm hoping to see DJ start to show some of that, that potential or that magic that we hoped we had when he came to Clemson. Um, I'm hoping to see some of that this week. Yeah. And that leadership, I mean, you know, we've seen him develop, we've seen him, you know, get pulled, you know, once this year and come back and, and play better. 
Um, you know, he's led to come from behind um, scoring drives here in the last uh, the two games before UConn. So, yeah, again, I think it's just all going to have to come together for this team if they want to win. And I think this is a big moment for this for this young offense, young and injured offense. Um, you know, and at the very least, a lot of these young guys are going to get some really good experiment uh, experience in this environment. But uh, DJ is going to have to lead in this one. Um, and I'm hoping to see that. Am I confident we'll see that? Not in the least because I've <laughs> I've been paying attention this season. <laughs> um, but it's possible. It's not impossible. Just if he misses like his first two throws, like fans don't start booing. Yeah. Like, no. cause that doesn't lift him up. That, that, lift that him up. Lift him up. More likely to lose if the fans are booing our own team. Just you know, getting into the kids' heads, ruining their confidence, especially early in the game. And he's like 19 years do you, old. Do you think Ben at noon game plays to Wake Forest advantage over Clemson? You know, the typical um, you know way of thinking is is yes, that it would certainly play into their hands. However, I think taking some of the um, they're as they're a senior and super senior laden team. So they are more uh, they are built better to come into a tough environment at night and also still play well. Whereas on the Clemson team, especially in the offense being so young, I think it being a noon game, takes some of that inherent pressure off of them. Um, not having the night atmosphere, um, you know, full of fans in the, in the Valley making a ton of noise. So I think typically you would say yes that it benefits Wake Forest, but I think it actually benefits Clemson in this game. Yeah, at the very least, I would say it neutralizes somewhat the road team's advantage. Because um, I agree with you, kind of about you would you would normally think yeah under the under the bright lights, maybe for the defense, the defense would get up for that and you know rise to the occasion a bit. Um, I think no matter what, Clemson's going to be fired up. It's Senior Day, James Skalski's last home game. Uh, obviously Nolan Turner as well, potentially some other guys. So um, it's going to be emotional. And my hope is they can channel that into energy on the field. This may be a game though, Ben, don't be surprised if the defense steps up and, and scores some points or well, you know, makes the right type of plays to give the offense a short field. And that was another one of my, my big keys. I think the offense needs to do their part in moving the ball and helping control the time of possession. I think the defense needs to come up with at least two plus turnovers and, possibly even score some points, you know, pick six or a fumble recovery for a touchdown would be nice. And then also even a short field. Yeah. That... It, it would certainly also help a special teams pitched in there. They struggle wake forest struggles in kick coverage. Um, so, and we saw Will Shipley rip off a big one. Uh, what was it against Louisville or Florida state? Maybe it was Louisville. Um, so yeah, if we can make was, some noise, if, if we can make some noise uh, in the kick return game, if, you know, maybe not scoring, but at least, setting us up in really good field position. I think it's going to take a combination of all um, of these three groups all playing well for Clemson to win this game. I don't, again, I don't think Wake Forest is, is a top 10 team when you look at the other teams in the top 10, but I do think they're better than Clemson uh, right now and that they're still a really good football team. I was going to, you're tempted to say, Ben, like, oh, it's fun to, fun to have a game that means something, fun to have a game with stakes kind of isn't it <laughs> knowing like well especially know uh, that the like what's at stake for us is the possibility that we might still could get into the ac championship game and get 10 wins 
but what's at stake for Wake Forest, um, and you know, even worse for Clemson, is that they could win the Atlanta division on Clemson's home field, um, which would would hurt. Right now, Wake Forest is not a hated team. Dave Clawson is a good guy; he's a great coach. Uh, him and Dabo yeah. have a really close relationship. Um, you know, Wake is not one of those teams we hate really in any of the sports. Right? We don't have that. Um, yeah, we just we've never had a grudge against them or any reason not to like them. Um, I, if so it's that, not us, I want them blow a little bit, but it'd still hurt. Yeah, yeah. If it's not us, I, I, I'd like to see them get in, just because otherwise, it's Dave Doran and NC State who we do not quite care for as much. Um, so we'll say that, but, um, anyway, I think that going to try to see the silver lining here. I mean, I, I do think our defense is significantly better than NC States and particularly in this home environment with what you're likely to get out of a senior day geared up team. It is going to be there. the Wake Forest toughest challenge of the year. And then you go to the other side of the ball you know, it's kind of weakness against weakness, so to speak. Uh, but Wake Forest is playing a little bit down a, down a leader, down a guy in the first half. So it is going to be important. You really want to see Clemson come out and assert itself on offense, or at the very least, you know, call it call those easy play calls, kind of get get the get the chains moving in the right direction early on. Um, if you, I think if you see that, Ben, this is going to be an interesting football game. I think if you see Clemson go down early. Not sure how this team's going to do with a two-plus score deficit overall. Um, it has been done before, but I think it's it, it might be a bridge too far for this team. So, Well, just for the simple fact that w- where we went down against Florida State and Louisville, those teams don't have the same level of potent offense that Wake Forest has. Now, granted, Malik Cunningham is a really good quarterback, but um, as a whole, Louisville's offense is not nearly as good as, as Wake Forest. Yeah. And you just don't want to get into a game like they had with army where you're just trading scores over and over. And like they're, they get a stop here or there, but you know, you're not going to stop their offense. No, that's worst case scenario. We're we're not going to be able to go back and forth with anybody. Um, This offense is just not consistent enough. I think we have to hold the defense has to hold wake Forest into the twenties. If they start getting in the thirties, then I don't see us winning this game. Agreed. Yeah, and I, I do think Clemson can the 30s is a is a mark that Clemson can definitely get to on offense. Even Maybe low thirties we could do it. Yeah. No, I, you know, starts getting up closer to 35 or so. I'm not sure we're capable of putting up uh into the 40s, upper 30s. Yeah, not without 40s. someone like Justin Ross and um continued injury on the offensive line. So um, but yeah, Will Shipley's back, you know, another week of rest for him. Hopefully he's as close to 100 percent as we can expect. And really for him, I think it's about confidence in his lateral movement and his agility again hopefully that that extra time off not playing against UConn is going to help him with that um he could be a game changer oh for sure and then we still have like we've seen the mentality of these kids with everything that they're going through um the bad season uh well we call it a bad season at seven and three but the, the struggles throughout the season and then all the injuries, they still come out and maybe UConn on offense aside, um, you know, give it their best. Um, and they're still out there fighting. They're still out there playing hard. We haven't seen um, any turmoil or anything throughout the team through all of this. So that, that really says a lot to me, especially since we're so young for, for kids um, to, to be able to have that mentality um, being so young, I think uh, speaks a lot to their character. And that's why, I'm um, still very hopeful for the future of Clemson football with, you know, with, with all the guys we have coming up. Ben, you, you talked about fans kind of wanting Tyson Pumachan to come in and 
replace CJ. How about Billy Wiles? Quarterback rating of a 197.6, two for four, touchdown. Why not this guy? Well, let's see. If the fans had their way, QB1 would be um, Tyson Pumachan. QB2 would be Will Spires. And then, yeah, maybe Billy Wiles at QB3. I mean, that was a nice pass. Was that one to Brennan Stoll? Uh, I, yeah, I think it was. I yeah. got to be honest. There was a point in like the third or fourth quarter of that UConn game where the folks that, that you know, where we were watching, um, we didn't go to the bar this week. We went to somebody's house, but um, we actually flipped it over to the Ohio State Purdue game because I had some money on the line there. Um, speaking of Vegas, um, did not turn out well for me, but then we flipped mm. it back. Then, yeah, we saw that play and everybody thought it was Hunter Helms because I mean, nobody. Yeah. At that point of the game, that's who you thought would be in there. Nobody knew. No, it was Brennan Stool. Yeah. Brennan Stool is up to three catches on the year for 67 yards. Um, Looks good too. Yeah. He he also is showing out in the blocking scheme. So he's really what you, what you want to see from a tight end, um, putting that kind of recruit into the, into the class. So um, anyway, you know, fun to see some of these guys get their run. I think w- Wake Forest is going to be a little bit of a tighter roster and Clemson's going to go with the proven guys. It's still going to be a lot of youth. Uh, no seniors are going to play at all on offense, it looks like. So youth movement across the board. Um, we will see. But yeah, let's let's see who the playmakers are that step up. The guys that want to be in there, want to, want to face this kind of environment. And uh, let's maybe take a moment to indulge the, you know, the, the potential here, Ben. Clemson beats Wake. What needs to play out is NC State needs to lose one of its final two, and then Wake needs to lose next week to BC. But don't look now. Phil Dracovic is back. He threw for over 300 yards last week for BC. Crazier things have happened than that, and they could be smarting coming off Clemson game. I don't think Syracuse is going to be able to stop NC State, but that UNC game is going to be interesting. Yeah, I mean, I just want to start with a win and even if you know we do win this game but are unable you know uh or just get knocked out of the acc championship game contention um still be a huge positive to what we have three wins in a row right now you beat wake forest there's four south carolina could be five definitely win that game heading into a bowl game win that when you got six wins in a row to end the season you're 10 and three and it looks and you're yeah, I was going to say, do you remember how many 10-win seasons we had under Tommy Bowden, inclusive of bowl games? I don't even think we played 10 games back then. <laughs> we had zero 10-win seasons back then. <laughs> so, did we have a 10-game schedule back then? It was so long ago. Um, yeah, and, and if, if we end this season at 10-3, and three, ACC championship game aside, you're going to look back on this season and be like, how the hell did that happen? And maybe it wasn't as bad as I thought it was. Yeah. But right now it's as bad as we think it is. (laughs) It's as bad as it's been. Let's put it that way. But there's a lot of, lot of reasons for it. And um, it's not about only lost to three ranked teams. I mean, if you look at it on paper, it's not terrible. I know everybody will say the other side, well, we could also be like two and eight or something like that, but we're not. Yeah. They're not having good enough. So. Um, And all the games have been close. It's true. Well, 
I'm also glad to have a couple guys, Will Spires and BT Potter, Ben. Like those two guys can make a real big impact on this game. I feel like probably less so Will Spires. Um, don't expect it to be a punt fest in this one, but never know. He could get that arm involved and that could help us out. But definitely BT Potter, like points will come at a premium in this game. So I, I do think Clemson's going to have to finish their drives in the red zone and score touchdowns, not field goals. Uh, but should drive stall, which they probably will going to need those points. But if your defense is also seemingly doing a pretty good job of holding, take those field goals when they're, they're there instead of going for it on fourth down. Like we got to take the points. Like we're not good at, at fourth down conversions um, just because we have the inability to pound the ball at the middle. Um, and it's fairly predictable. Um, so I do think having BT Potter is a huge advantage, especially when they have Nick Skiba, who is a really good kicker himself, 16 of 18 on field goals this year. He only has a long of 46. He doesn't have a huge leg. Um, so BT can stretch that about a number, another 10 yards or so. So there's a slight advantage there. Um, hey, man, you know, could come down to it. Could be a field Hostile goal game. crowd environment. Could, could be a field goal game in this one. Well, pack your, flat, pack your flasks, Clemson fans. Um, need to get rowdy. I know it's a noon kick. Uh, get there early. Set your alarm clock. You know, again, pack the pack the minis, pack the flasks, whatever. Um, we got to get loud for this weekend. And Wake Forest actually gave back a lot of its ticket allotment for this one, so which is a little surprising. They're, they don't even care about football. Like, they don't deserve <laughs> to be here. Jeez. No, I know that, but like it's a once it's a once in every two decade circumstance where you get to win their division, let alone the conference. Maybe show up, maybe drive five, six hours south, you know, to see your team potentially clinch. I wonder or just go to a nice football though. environment. Like I wonder when they gave them back though. Mm, I don't know. Like, did yeah, they know question, this I guess. was gonna be a did they know this was gonna be a clinching game? Yeah, you really think more people would show up. They've only got like four thousand people. That's what I'm saying. It's a small yeah. fan base. So um, anyway, yeah. But that should mean all the more tickets for Clemson fans to be able to pack the stadium. If they were smart, get- they'd take them and sell them. At the very least. <laughs> I thought that was supposed to be a good school. <laughs> they were printed on tobacco paper. Back. Give your tickets if, back. If they were printed on tobacco paper, they'd find a way. Yeah, or they'd probably, yeah, well. Um, well, let's, let's pivot off this game. Obviously, you know, it's going to be a big one. Uh, we will be back to recap it. Um, let's keep it with the team though, Ben, there's been kind of a couple of updates going on. The coaching carousel is spinning, um, rumors of, well, let's talk through which vacancies have opened. TCU's open. Virginia tech is open. Um, LSU is obviously going to come open. Uh, Miami is being rumored as well. I don't know if they've yet moved on from Manny Diaz there, but that's a matter of time. Tony Elliott, though, in rumors for being considered at TCU. He's been linked in the past to Virginia Tech. Who knows if a guy like Billy Napier or even Dave Clawson could end up at Virginia Tech. Um, but yeah, interesting that Tony Elliott is being mentioned for some of these openings. We'll just have to see if you know he's, he's able to kind of secure those and the confidence of those athletic directors. So unless for a moment we're considering this, not even – talk about our own feelings about Tony Elliott um, and whether or not he should remain as offensive coordinator and if he's effective leading into next year. Um, but just from the standpoint of Tony Elliott's position um, of what he should do, what would be best for him? Right. Um, so let's say, you know, 
let's say he doesn't take any jobs. He's back at Clemson next year. Um, and Clemson has a really good year, especially on offense. I don't think he gets that much better of a head coaching opportunity next year, right? Just, just because of that. Okay, you've done what we've seen you do before. Um, but if Clemson does not continue to improve uh, next year on offense, it still has another bad year. That's going to lower his stock even more. So strike while the iron is, uh, is uh, you know, moderately hot. It may not be on fire like it, like it was before, but, you know, before it cools all the way down, this may be the, the right opportunity for him to go ahead and make the leap. Um, and so I'm leaning more towards expecting that to happen now, especially since there are a lot of good jobs coming open this year, meaning, you know, the guys that might go to TCU or Virginia tech end up taking a a little bit better job because, you know, maybe Lane Kiffin would have gone to Miami, but he goes to LSU now because Orgeron's out of there. So, um, I think, I think this is a good combination of his stock still being high. And there being a lot of job openings out there that he can end up with a better school than he would have in years past. So I think for him, it would be the smart decision. Um, it would also avoid Dabo having to make any uh, tough decisions with the, uh, the head offensive personnel there. Now he's going to have to another, uh, you know, coaching positions on the offense, but that would make things a lot less stressful for, for all involved. And it would be and deserved. I, like he deserves to be a head coach. I think he'll be a good head coach. Right. Like, let's let's not like he could have been gone uh, before now, and we're very lucky that he stayed. You know, and has been part of the program. Um, but I, I think now is probably the right time for him to go. And I, again, I think he earns it. He he earned it. I think he deserves an opportunity and uh, to go see what he can do. Yeah, and I think when you look around at the number of coaches that have won consistently and successfully. Dabo is right there and there are not very many that are even, you know, close to that, what Dabo's track record has shown. And I think athletic, athletic directors and departments value that and value what the culture and the mindset and, you know, the, the way that Clemson has done things. So yeah, one down year with the offense at Clemson, which there's a lot of factors that you can kind of point to to contribute to that losing Trevor Lawrence, Travis Etienne, some of the injuries, it's not all on scheme. It's not, yeah, there's some on execution and putting your players in the right position. Tony Elliott, pretty sure, Ben, he doesn't do the shopping for all the offensive players that come in. You know, that's a, it's a whole program question. Um, he's not the recruiting coordinator and Dabo's the head man. So I think if you're, you're an AD and you want the right type of hire and stability and someone that's been close to success, that's Tony Elliott. And he's also seems like a, you know, a guy you'd want to work with and have working for you. So, you know, he's not, he's not going to hit a player on the sideline, you know, that kind of thing. Um, so yeah, I think depending what region of the country he might be a fit for, maybe he doesn't get those, those first tier, you know, most shiny coaching positions that are out there right now, but the guys that do take those, I think you were alluding to that, you know, they're going to vacate some spots and maybe those are, maybe that's like a top level G five or a mid tier power five. Yeah. I think, I think you could definitely see Tony getting hired, even despite what this season's looked like. Yeah. And again, I think it saves a, a, a lot of people um, in charge of making decisions in the, in the football program, uh, a lot of heartache. Um, right. And so now let's let that move us on to Brent Venables, because I said uh, earlier on in the season, I think it was after the Georgia, maybe SC state game, um, that nobody's been talking about, well, what if this season goes terrible and he ends up leaving this year? He thinks 
okay, I've done everything I can at Clemson. The offense is not in, you know, in, in good shape and may not be next year either. Um, I almost took the Auburn job last year. Um, so do I leave, especially with all these, you know, jobs and good jobs being open is, uh, LSU, uh, you know, somebody that would come after him probably. Um, so yeah, I mean, I, I talked about this earlier on in the season, uh, Tiger Illustrated had an article about it today, um, or within the last couple of days. Um, so it's a very real possibility that everybody's scared as hell to think about because the defense is, uh, really why we're, we're seven and three and not any worse this year. Um, so times are interesting um, between, you know, you could lose both your coordinators this year. You've got transfer portal uh, to deal with and Dabo finally admitting today that he's going to have to go into it, um, which, you know, a lot of people have been saying for weeks um, and coming off, you know, a season like this and uh, NIL stuff, like it's hell of a season. Uh, a lot of stuff coming at us, and I know it hasn't just been Clemson. Other teams have dealt with stuff too, but it seems to have been a lot, awful lot of stuff piling up, and um, we're in the midst of it now. But try to look past the fog of that and what it could be like, you know, into December, January, when some of these coaching decisions are made. Um, could be a very look uh, different-looking football team and program and personnel uh, come August of next year. Yeah, Ben. And, um, you know, we haven't really on this show spent too much time talking about what we have spent time talking about. Let's appreciate this era and the, the overall kind of call it a dynasty or just call it, you know, the resurgence of Clemson um, being on top of or near the top of the football world. Um, what it does look like when Clemson sort of moves from that into more of what I would call kind of like the, the after effects of that and you know, the also rans or the trying to get back theirs is a couple things. I think it's an inability to, to get the elite level of talent that you once could. And I think it's also, do you start to see attrition of the coaches and the scheme that kind of allowed you to climb the mountaintop and stay there. And I think nothing could kind of accelerate. And I'm not saying like Clemson will definitely have a, a, a downturn you know, from the top of the ACC or top of college football playoff contention if Brent Venables leaves, but the degree of difficulty for Clemson to replace him with someone that could have that kind of impact, you know, is huge. And he'd be sorely missed if he does go. Um, for me, that would be the most impactful move in, in a negative direction for Clemson's trajectory. Um, the other one we could talk about is, you know, a lack of ability to close on elite talent and, some of that still is within the team's control for how they go out there and recruit. Um, and overall, it's not just recruit high school guys, it's recruit all available players that you can get coming to your team. We've beaten a dead horse with the portal, but what we've also seen here in the last few weeks is elite talent that we thought we were in a good position with choose to go yes to Georgia. Yes to other, you know, Ohio, we've lost guys to Ohio state over the last one to two recruiting classes now you're starting to see us lose guys to North Carolina. And that's not really something you want to see. So it, one, two guys is not a trend. You know, it's not something to completely start to freak out about over. Um, but what I do want to say is like, look, keep an eye on these things because that is how you start to see a Nebraska turn into a Nebraska. Well, everybody is so quick to forget 
um, that, you know, we were seventh uh, rivals class last year. Uh, the 22, the 2022 class was second. Um, the 2019 class um, was also pretty good in ninth. So, uh, oh, yeah. those guys are still I, on I the think team. You... you know, those guys are still on the team. So even if, if we have a one, if we have one year where we end up at 10, like, like we can still do it. We got here without being number one. So, um, yes. And maybe some of that does. Uh, you know, maybe it, is it a coincidence that it it is coinciding at the same time as Clemson struggling a little bit on the football field? Um, perhaps, perhaps not. You know, that obviously I could see a lot of kids. It happens every year. Jump ship when the team they're committed to loses. Uh, it's probably happening to, to everybody on Florida's recruiting board right now. Um, but I also wouldn't freak out for this one year recruiting class. Like we're going to have a good one next year. We're going to start bringing in some more guys because we're going to have to. Um, so, and I know people are sitting here thinking we won the natty in 2016 with like, you know, a couple of number 12 classes, number nine classes, like all of that. And it is so true. Um, I just think this stuff can snowball quickly. You know, if, if the, if the elite blue shippers, you know, decide Clemson's not the place for them. But yeah. Well, it also you know, becomes we're, less we won't know for a while. It also becomes less your recruiting class too. It's also who you're bringing into the portal. Like maybe that trumps. I don't know. Um, all I know is that every team is dealing with this right now. And Alabama is not what uh, they've been in recent years. They're, they have offensive line issues. Ohio State, even though they had a good win against Purdue, doesn't look particularly great this year. Um, you know, Oregon, 9-1, how much do you trust them? A lot of names you've heard before, but they're not as good as, as they have been in years past. With Georgia being an exception and technically being better than they have been in years fast, riding uh, years past, riding the strength of the, the best defense in the country, uh, but they're doing it with a pretty pedestrian offense. Um, so they're not exactly world beaters. I, I think just across the college football uh, world right now, there is more parity. I think it has to do with COVID, the exemption year, the transfer portal, and now some NIL stuff starting to creep in. Um, so the question is then those teams that are just still kind of hanging on up there at the top, but maybe not as much better uh, than the other teams that used to be before. And then also a team like Clemson who really saw a pretty big slip this year, you know, are they able to adjust and use those things to their advantage and um, get good at those things while also doing the same things that got them in such a good position before, right? We talk about, you know, Dabo, he can do these things that he doesn't like to do and just do it his way. Right. Dabo's way has worked in the past. How does he spin it? How does he get creative um, to become successful again um, with the, you know, playing within the new rules? Some of those things, Ben, I do think Clemson can kind of model into its own way and continue to amplify the culture, cultural aspect of the program that has attracted so many to the, to the team. Um, I guess taking it back to kind of the Brent Venables question, what we don't know is kind of what's in his mind and his heart and what he's felt about the prospect of going to coach and be the head man someplace else. Not only like we think we've heard him make comments in the past. We just don't know what he's feeling in November of 2021 and how many games he's had phenomenal efforts from his unit. He's clearly improved this team from the exits of the last two seasons, you know, corrected some of the, potential issues with dealing with tempo um, coached up the depth developed guys like this year is an awesome defense, you know, hats off to him for an awesome coaching job this year. 
and the staff. Uh, but we don't know. Maybe he's like, look, trouble's brewing or this offense is, you know, maybe not the compliment that I've always wanted, or maybe it is time that, you know, to, to change things up a bit from a career standpoint and go see what he's made of in the head coaching realms, not going to begrudge him any decision he makes. Um, my hope is still though, he's got a couple, couple boys on the team still. Um, again, this is just complete fan, <laughs> like my hopes, whatever my hopes don't matter, but um, I don't know. There's kind of enough here. Maybe Brent does want to be around to see if we can't, get back to the mountaintop, you know, and be part of that. Um, you know, is there, is there enough of a challenge that that represents for him to, to entice him to stick around? Um, yeah. And then, or maybe, you know, LSU gets a less um, a kind of a centric version of Ed Orgeron, right? Um, defensive guy um, has been successful before. Not, you know, no head coaching experience, yeah. but a big name, you know? Yeah. I could, I could it, see it happening. And he, I don't see, I mean, maybe, maybe, maybe he goes to the big 12. Um, I just, he's such a defensive guy and deep. They're so horrible defense in that league. I just can't see how that would excite him. Right. He'd be going to a team that's offensive first. Um, and trying to remake that team in his mold to be more defensive minded. Like it just doesn't work in the big 12. Um, yeah. But you know where it does work a place like the sec. I think it could, especially, you know, he could, he could sort of name his talent. I, I don't know that that's necessarily in the footprint of, of where he likes to go in and cherry pick his recruits from. Um, he is a bit more in big 12 country, I think in that regard. And then obviously we've recruited the likes of Florida and the Carolinas really well. Yeah. But LSU def- defense. LSU- LSU can recruit big 12 country. Yeah. I think they're, they're just as close to national as you're going to get for the most part. And they go into Texas a lot and Florida as well. So um, he'll have no problem getting talent. Um, I think it's, it, it is a matter too of like, I just don't know for him if it's like the money that would, that would justify it. I think it would be like, that's a big ass job. That's a top, top five, top 10 job. Um, the last three head coaches they've had have all won a national title there. So um, it's definitely a place where you can win and you get the support. It's also an insane place as well. So, all right. So I'm predicting it we'll now. See. If Elliot goes anywhere, it's going to be Virginia tech. Okay. If Venables goes anywhere, it's going to be LSU. I mean, I don't even want to entertain the thought of that happening, Ben, but where do you think Clemson should go with DC? That's why if, I said, if, <laughs> of course, big if caveat, et cetera. Um, is, is our next DC on the staff right now? Do you think we go out and hire somebody? I have no clue who's out there. I don't pay attention to that. Yeah. <laughs> Not even paying that close of attention to recruiting right now either because it's the football season. I know we lost some dude today. Wide receiver was in green uh, to North Carolina. Um, yeah. But yeah, not not fully deep into that. No, I haven't been really considering replacements. I know people throw other names out there, but uh, I I just want to focus too on winning the next game and enjoy enjoy that and the lead up to that instead of worrying too much about what could happen uh, heading into next year. Hundred percent, I'm with Still you. Got on that. three more games left to enjoy this year. Let's enjoy them. Let's enjoy the experience. We got kind of screwed out of a year last year because of COVID. Yeah, we got football, but the you know, fan attendance wasn't there. We didn't get full schedules. Um, and yeah, so this first full year back, it, you know, hasn't been 
uh, up to the same, you know, quality level of play that, that we're used to seeing from Clemson in the last few years, but it's still Clemson football. We still got it. Right. Um, and I've enjoyed, you know, even through all the ups and downs, I've enjoyed the season. Um, I'm looking forward to, to closing it out and see if these kids can, uh, continue to build upon a lot of the things that they've improved on as we've seen the year go along. Yep. Well, lots to play for still. Um, really looking forward to this weight game. Pretty much where we are at this point. So um, across the landscape of college football, Ben, I think it's going to continue to be, you know, a, th- a thinning of the herd of college football playoff contenders as these weeks continue on here, as we head into rivalry week, two weeks from now. Um, any, any big games catching your eye in the national landscape this week? Well, I'm definitely not going to bet on any more games because I'm over two in my betting career. Um, Michigan State, Ohio State will be interesting. Yeah, that's the obvious one. And of course, it's at the same time as our game. Um, But I guess it'd be kind of cool. The bar will be, we'll be at the bar for that one. So it'll be mostly empty, right? Um, There might be some fans here for that one, but not a lot of, oh, Iowa State at uh, Oklahoma. Um, Our, you know, Iowa State buddies will be there. They watch, you know, we cheer for each other. Um, And, Alabama, Arkansas, that'll be interesting later on at 1230. Yeah, you know, it's not too bad of a day for football. You got Utah, Oregon later. Right. Yeah, look out for Utah there. I mean, on a win streak, they're favored. Syracuse, NC State at 1 p.m. That's one where we need to be rooting for Syracuse to beat NC State. Syracuse just got blanked by Louisville. Um Whatever, man, but we still can look forward to pulling for him. Uh, absolutely. It's South Carolina gets to play Auburn. Auburn it. just coming off of a, an upset loss, so they'll they'll be out for it. Um, let's see. Florida, who cares who they're playing? Who's Samford playing? I was really impressed by Samford. <laughs> Not sure. Oh, man, Samford. Yeah, they beat the Citadel, Wofford, uh, Western Carolina, and Tennessee Technical College this year, and almost Florida. So close. How is Mullen still coaching there? I think it all it's all about the buyout. They got to get him past this season, then the buyout goes down. Uh, so Florida's got deep pockets. They're in the SEC, but still. I don't know. It might be a, a situation where he like fires his coordinators. I think he already has done that. Yeah, he's fired um, two guys. But like, I guess Grantham's probably still there for some reason, but um what, what does that do to your recruiting? And he's already in this situation because he doesn't care enough about recruiting. So if he, if he, your head coach is not that dialed into recruiting, therefore he leads it to his coordinators. Then he gets rid of his coordinators. Like it's just delaying the inevitable. I think well, they he need needs to, to go coach in the NFL if he doesn't care about recruiting, because that's what college football is. Absolutely. It's keeping boosters happy and it's recruiting. And now That's, not only do you have to recruit to get kids on the team, you got to recruit to keep them on the team with the transfer portal. And tamper to get other kids to come to you. It's, it's a wild game out there. So yeah, uh, Florida might come open. That might be the best job in the mall. If that thing opens up a um, little bit toxic, the last few coaches, but they pay a lot. They can get talent. You can win in a hurry there. So We'll have to see. All right, Ben. Well, enough, enough for this week. Um, we'll be back to recap this weight game coming up, looking ahead at South Carolina, um, maybe getting some guest appearances here on the podcast as well ahead of the Carolina game. So stay tuned for that. 
Um, anything else, Ben, before we call it? Clemson basketball? Um, watching that at all? Oh, yeah. Clemson basketball, 3-0. and um, They've got the Charleston Classic coming up. A very winnable tournament for them. Uh, they play Temple tomorrow. Um, St. Bonaventure is in there. And then uh, some other school I can't remember. But Clemson's like better than, than, than all three of them, I think. Um, or can be. So I think it's very winnable. We'll see. A little sluggish start to the season. Um, those first two wins got a really good win over Bryant, uh, whoever they are. Presbyterian, that was a tough game. Clemson was trailing, but I think they're they're a pretty good, like for their, for their conference, they're a pretty good team. I've heard that about both PC and Wofford. I think people are just probably just making up um, things to, to make them feel better about uh, <laughs> sure. kind of the slow start. Uh, but whatever. Also, the start of college basketball season is always a little bit weird. Anyways, you can't, you know, you can't judge. It's all about conference play, right? You got to win conference play. Yeah, I mean, how many? A couple of years ago, we saw Clemson go undefeated and look great in non-con, and then fall flat in the ACC. So it's weird. It's a long season. Just getting started. Cool. Well, thanks again, everyone, for tuning in. Looking forward to recapping this weight game. Hope everyone enjoys that game, that matchup. Uh, we're coming down here into the home stretch, so we appreciate everyone sticking with us for yet another season with the podcast. Uh, if you've not yet done it, please go out and leave us a review on iTunes. It helps us out, helps people find the show. We do appreciate that. And yeah, thanks again for tuning in with us. And as always, go Tigers. Go Tigers.